from the SkyTerra Wellness Retreat, this is the Inspired Intentions Podcast, where we help people build the skills and mindset to live a healthy life. It's Alan back here with you today. And as many of you heard, we're going to spend the next few episodes running back some of our favorite Jeff Ford podcasts from the past 132 weeks. And today we have our number one favorite episode. Rachel and I had a long discussion and we came to an agreement that our favorite episode is episode number 19. Which of these mistakes do you make when you walk or run? Walking and running are some of the first movements that you do. And honestly, nobody ever teaches you how to do them correctly. On this episode, Jeff and Rachel are in the booth and I just remember learning an absolute ton of information on gait and stride and so much more. This is a class we actually teach on campus, but the podcast is always a really great refresher of this timeless information. I hope you all enjoy. Join today with my co-host, Rachel Colasino. Hi, Jeff. Hey. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah, shoot. Is there ever been anything in your life where you thought you knew everything about a topic and you All the knew- time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if you've, you've, you work with me and I even, uh, I think guests probably understand that. I feel yeah. like I know everything. Yeah. Have you ever gotten to a point where you thought you knew a lot about a topic and then you realized you knew very little? 100%. More times than I would gladly admit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that happens to everybody, of course. Um, But one topic that I thought I knew a lot about and then later discovered I knew almost nothing about was running. Mm, And walking. And walking. Yeah. And me specifically, I had that same experience. And I think for our listeners out there, this is kind of how we met. This is how our paths crossed in, you know, joining together at Skyterra. It's our friendship origin story. Really cool. And so how my kind of experience happened with figuring out that there was actually technique to walking and running and moving our bodies appropriately. uh, I was kind of in that massive overload of just hammering the mileage from a running perspective. You know, I would do six to seven days a week of running, you know, the 50 to 60 miles a week. I'd be doing CrossFit at the same time. And I got into marathons and Ironman triathlons. And I remember when I really started to kind of put the pieces together of maybe I'm not doing something right. Is I remember this race, I was going over the bridge, uh, a really steep bridge. It was in Hilton Head Island. And I remember running with a stress fracture in my foot. Ooh. I had gotten so obsessive about the need for speed and the need to improve and the need to train. And I was kind of filling some sort of void uh, in, in, a, in some capacity when, when you really reflect back on it. And what I actually realized is that the way I was moving my body and the intensity I was moving at it at wasn't supporting myself. I even remember uh, going into my first Ironman, I got cortisone shots in my foot because mm. of the pain it was in. And so it's like, that's how I came about to really looking into how walking and running has a lot of technique behind it that can actually keep us safe if we start to know kind of those three big keys. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, I have a similar story. I think your story one ups mine. (laughs) Which is not what I was trying to do in (laughs) in any capacity. But um, for me, you know, running is something that I started doing at a very young age And I love running. It's something that has been with me for almost my entire life. Um, I decided that I wanted to run a marathon. I downloaded a training plan and there were three different levels. There was like beginner, intermediate, and advanced. 
And of course, I'm like, I've been running my whole life. I'm advanced. You jumped right to advanced. Of course I did. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I went from running, I don't know, maybe 15 miles a week to running 70 miles a week. And I first got plantar fasciitis, which is painful. Yep. One of kind of those big five injuries that I think people get as a result of poor form. Um, But I, because I was stupid and didn't know anything that I, that anything about technique or, you know, refused to admit that I didn't know anything about running, um, I waited until it wasn't painful. And then I jumped back on that advanced running plan two weeks before what was supposed to be my first marathon. I was like, I'm having some pain. Went Mm -hmm. to the doctor, got an MRI. I had a stress fracture in my pelvis. Your pelvis? Which is really difficult to do. It sounds difficult. (laughs) Yeah. I've actually never met anyone else who's done that. Yeah. I actually went from training two weeks out from a marathon to being on crutches for three weeks. Yikes. And that that was what made me start to look into there has to be a better way. Yeah. And so that is what we're going to talk about today is, you know, the technique behind walking, the technique behind running is is something that's really important. It is simple, mm-hmm. but um, it's, you know, we walk and run from a very young age. And so we're going to be talking about maybe doing something purposefully that you have been doing for your whole life, really without thought. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to your story, I, I saw you kind of self-naming yourself stupid. And I want to reflect on that for a second in that. You're never taught how to run. Mm. It's one of those sports that you just tie your shoes on and you go. And that's what's so interesting about it is it's like, yes, you know, it's, it's, it's almost when you reflect back on it, it's like, man, I wish I had known these three mistakes that people are chronically making. And it's, it's not anyone's fault that they don't know about these mistakes. But what's great is we're going to start to break down and simplify this. And like you said, you can actually learn to improve your running and walking within like five minutes. Yeah. That's how quick you can start to change these movement patterns, even if you have been doing it for a long period of time. And we're going to give you guys three things to think about today, three things to change with your running and your walking. And the order that we introduce them to you are going to be the easiest it is to incorporate into your life. So we're going to start with the lowest hanging fruit and just work up a little bit. But just like Jeff said, all three of these are pretty simple. The difficulty is just remembering to use them, remembering, mm-hmm. you know, especially if, if you're using them for running, remembering to, to, to use them when you start to get tired. I'd, al- I'd also add it's, it's tough to get the feedback initially. Mm. What I mean by that is you can learn these techniques very quickly, but getting to understand the feedback of if you're in the right position can take time. Yeah. And we'll give you some cues to think about, cues to listen for even with the way that you're moving. Um, that will help you kind of reset and get back into that position. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I like to say about, you know, techniques like this is, you know, it's not a matter of doing this correctly 100% of the time out of the gate. It does take practice, but it, it takes practice also reminding yourself to come back to it. Yep, yep. Constantly being aware of like, how is my foot uh, hitting the ground? Am I doing some of these things we're going to discuss? Right. Yeah. So you want to get into the first Yeah. So this is step number one. This is going to be your lowest hanging fruit. And all that this is, is posture, the position that you hold your body in. Okay. What maybe would be the first thing we should focus on with posture? 
So what I usually tell people is if you, you know, the goal with posture is to have your body in alignment. So you want to have your shoulders over your hips. You want to have your hips over your ankles. Mm -hmm. And that takes control. So if you think about controlling your body, all of that control comes from one place. Yes, yes. And that's your core. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that alignment is really important. So even when I'm watching people walk or, or run, you can kind of line up shoulder, hip to point of support. So looking at them from kind of that top down and making sure that there is kind of that even line across their body is definitely the first step because there's different things we might do with our head, with our shoulders that throw those three points of performance off. Right. Um, and just to just to go back to that core control for just a second. When we talk about, you know, we talk about engaging your core all the time. And what we're really talking about is the position of your pelvis. Mm -hmm. So if you think of your pelvis as a as a bowl of water, you don't want any water to tip forward. You don't want that bowl to tip forward. You want any any water to come out. So thinking about keeping your pelvis in place is securing it from the front which is, you know, pulling your belly button towards your spine, pulling your rib cage down, but then also controlling that pelvis from the back. And that's going to be enough tension in your glutes just to keep that pelvis neutral. And again, to Jeff's point, it's just going to keep you in alignment. Yeah. And, and giving even more kind of visuals to this is you see folks who kind of, they overextend, they like to lean back Mm. and maybe tilt in an opposite direction. I call that the, uh, I don't know, the showman, really just (laughs) kind of overextending where the hips are maybe way too far forward. And then I think the second thing that goes in line with this pelvis positioning we're talking about is, are the hips uh, broken? And that's probably the most common fault I see with walking and running combined is that people are hinging at the waist, Mm. which is not so bueno because it's going to start to uh, not allow them to have their feet come off the ground correctly. I like the introduction of Spanish. Yeah, like Just that. one word. Just a little pop of color. We sometimes do count down to get our recordings right. Uno, dos, tres. Yes. It's pretty cool. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, do you want to talk about arms? Because I think that has a lot to do with posture. Yeah, I want to talk about arms and I want to talk about shoulders. Um, but just, you know, just to go on to your point for just a second about that those broken mm-hmm. um Hip position. Hip position is that's where a lot of the lower back injuries can come from. Um, and, and that's just going to it's going to happen if you're walking in that position. It's going to happen if you're running in that position, especially. Yeah. And so we're clear. I would tell you that lower back pain is one of the big five when it comes to walking and running mechanic issues. Uh, we mentioned plantar fasciitis. And so as we go through this uh, podcast today, we'll actually refer to three other types of pain that you most likely will experience in your body if you're not making these fixes that we're discussing. Mm. So our body is under control. Our our core is control. Our pelvis is neutral. We're moving up. We're going to talk about arms and shoulders. Great. I can't wait. Yeah. So I let's start with shoulders. 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 So you want me to kind of give my quick synopsis? Jeff's going to give a quick synopsis, and I can see him doing some movements already, so I'll narrate his movement. Excellent. (laughs) And for our Facebook Live individuals, they can actually see what we're doing here. Uh, So shoulders back and down is a cue I like. I don't like to, like, overextend, but oftentimes what you see is kind of these slumped, internally rotated shoulders. All this means is, is that basic poor posture that you'll see when people sit is kind of the slouching. 
So my initial cue that I would say is the best place to start with shoulders, is just shoulders kind of back and down and, and quite relaxed. Folks will tend to like tense their shoulders up, which isn't always the best experience. Yeah, and just to add on to that, um, to get into that position, I usually say if you press your elbows against your body Ooh, with, your like palm, with your palms up mm-hmm. and then rotate your palms out and then drop your arms down, that's going to keep your shoulder blades in place. Um, I like your cue back and down. I say slide your shoulder blades into your back pockets. That works too. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you had talked about the shoulder slumping forward, taking you out of alignment. The other thing is if your shoulders are slumped forward, your lungs are starting to collapse and you're going to feel more winded than you actually are. That's a great point. If you have poor posture, then it's going to impact your ability to keep your stamina up. That's say right. you're going for a long walk or a long run. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know who runs with, with what I would call T-Rex arms? <laughs> they look like this for folks who can see at home. Uh, his name's Alan Broyhill. He's our executive uh, producer. Yeah. And so he kind of, what I mean by T-Rex arms <laughs> is they're usually like these little limbs where they're just super short. And so you'll see this with folks is like arms are actually one of the bigger issues that I'll discuss with folks only because they may impact where that torso is going. Mm. And so we want our arms to really service our body weight. And of course, the shoulders being down, as we've described, is important so they can kind of move with your body and not against them. Yeah. And I and I tell people, too, you know, if you think about your arms, they have mass, they weigh something. And if we asked you know, if we ask somebody to grab, you know, two five pound dumbbells and run around the block, you're not going to hold your arms out, you know, out in front or out to the mm-hmm. side. You're going to keep them close to your body. And if we're after efficiency, again, whether you're walking or you're running, making sure that you keep your arms relaxed, close to your body, hands relaxed. The path that I usually say is hip to nip. Oh, wow. I haven't heard that one. Hip to nip. Hip to nip. Okay. Yeah. What's the nip stand for? Really? I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm not getting it. Hip to nip? I'm not saying oh, it. Oh, <laughs> I got it. Okay. Okay. I'm catching on. I think one other thing to add to the table with arms, now that I've gotten us, of course, is um, the action across your body. Mm, cross so this, body. This is not so great. Once we start to move our arm across our body, well, that's going to then change our hip position. And then depending on where that foot is landing, which we're going to talk about, if you're doing kind of the second mistake... Then it's going to run into a lot of ragtag issues all the way down the chain. And so arms, I think a lot of listeners have maybe heard, maybe I should pump my arms when I walk or run. And we really don't advise that. I mean, most of our listeners are just trying to get fit. They're trying to be healthy. Uh, It's not really necessary for speed, which we'll go into uh, further. Yeah. Something else that I like to talk about um, with shoulders, arms, hands especially is, you know, especially when we're talking about running, if we're after maximum efficiency, we don't want to be using muscles that we're not using to run. Mm -hmm. So when we hold tension in our shoulders, when when our shoulders are up, when our hands are, you know, squeezed or making fists, we're actually using energy. Mm -hmm. And that that's not keeping us as efficient as possible. Have so you again, heard that cue of this with the, the, baby, the eggs? Oh, Have I, you heard I've, the heard, eggs? I've heard baby birds. Baby birds. Oh, that one's you creepy. You love your bird. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> squeeze baby birds. Yeah. So I, that's a great point that you bring up for sure. 
Do you want to finish out that thought for people who, well, don't, who I, don't know our inside jokes? I, I, well, with these eggs or with these birds, you just want to keep that relaxation that Rachel's talking about in that you definitely don't want to be over gripping or like clenching. And then with, in your hands, in we're your talking hands, about your hands specifically. As far as one other thing with posture, it's so wild. You're probably listening right now and you're like, man, this is a lot to think about. And so don't worry, we will break this down a little bit simpler so that at the end of this episode, it's like, here, this, these are the one or two things I should immediately fix with Absolutely. my posture. Absolutely. We've the, got We got your back. Last thing with posture, you can obviously tell we're, we're very passionate about this, is, is your head position. I love this. Head position is so important because where your head goes is where your hips are going to go. Oftentimes when folks are out hiking, when they're just going for a jog, when they're walking, where do they tend to look? Down. Down. And that does not service your posture in any way that's going to be beneficial. So honestly, I would almost start with the head, even though we spoke about it kind of towards the tail end of our posture discussion. Do you discussion. start with the head when you work with people? I do start with the head. Hmm. So I will almost like make an L underneath uh, my my neck. So I'll put kind of that thumb right into the neck and then I'll point that index finger up underneath the chin. And that allows them to kind of reset the head back. And so I do see this more often with males. Males tend to be a little bit more tense in the thoracic spine. So that just is a fancy word for upper back. But yeah, getting them to push that head back first will then allow me to let those shoulders relax and then almost going to the hands from there. Mm. So just my thought process around it. Yeah, I just if I can add on to, to our discussion about the head, you know, you had talked about it in terms of alignment and that is extremely important. Um, the other thing is, as soon as you start to look down, as soon as your chin starts to tuck, a couple of things happen. The first is that your body is not in its strongest position. So mm. when you know when we work with guests, when we work with athletes who are getting into position where they're going to be strength training, we have them in alignment, and that Super is because important. yeah, you're you're in your strong, your body's in its strongest position. The other thing is, um, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, Jeff. Do you know any? Um, speech therapists? I do not. Okay. So I, um, you know, I, I had the uh, chance to work with one. She was actually working on her running. I, I wasn't getting speech therapy. Great, oh, what, but you're such a great speaker. <laughs> <laughs> At least to you, maybe not our executive producer. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. When speech therapists are working with patients who've had maybe a stroke or who have some kind of issue swallowing, when they're working with them um, on, you know, building swallowing back into their life and they're having them eat food they actually have them chuck tuck their chin as they're chewing okay. their food because it it blocks off their airway so you know to bring this back to walking to bring this back to running if you are looking down if you're tucking your chin you're actually blocking off your access to oxygen which again is going to make you feel more winded I love that you're bringing it back to oxygen because when we think about our guests, the, a lot of what I hear from a standpoint of what they want to improve with fitness is just their ability to breathe like when they walk or run. Mm. The ability to walk up five flights of stairs and not feel like exhausted. And right. what's interesting is making these adaptations to your posture could be the biggest influence that changes even your breathing patterns, which is so important because yeah. it's like breathing is where we should always start yeah. with a lot of things. Yeah, and I think it's 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 super important to point out, I don't know how many minutes we are into this podcast, but we have spent a lot of time talking about half of your body 
And that's mm-hmm. because it's really important, but it's also the easiest. I mean, these are things just with awareness that we yeah. can all start to do today. Yeah. And a final note on posture is you have to start changing the posture first or steps two and three today yes. don't typically work. I don't know if your experience is different, but if you don't fix the posture first, it's very difficult to That's do right. this next thing we're about to talk That's about. That's right. That's right. Do you want to talk about what happens below the waist? Yeah. So we can kind of start there. And mm-hmm. I think what's important to note right out front is you shouldn't think about the foot placement so much. I think with like walking and running, there's always this discussion about like, should you land heel first, ball mm. of foot? And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll speak to that. But if you start there, then the second half of the body isn't going to do what you want. So when we think about the second half of our body, what most people are doing is they are doing something called pushing. So they are pushing off from the ground and they're using a really small muscle group called their hip flexors. Mm -hmm. And over time, this makes their quads tight and can really lead to knee pain. So another one of the big five, as I'd reference this with like mechanical issues with walking and running, is uh, what's called chondromalacia or just simply knee tendonitis. Mm. So over time, when we're pushing specifically or we're landing out in front, this is going to cause a lot of knee pain. So what most people doing are doing are is that they are pushing what we want the body to do below the waist is pull pull and pulling is going to utilize your hamstrings your glutes it's going to utilize a much bigger group of muscles so that you can be more efficient when you're out there doing your thing yeah because the hips hip flexors are 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 very small versus your glutes and your hamstrings your posterior chain is extremely strong and again if we're after maximum efficiency whether you're walking, whether you're running, you want to make sure that you're using some of the strongest muscles in your body. Mm-hmm. And think think about it, like it, with our listeners at home, like think about it. When you go for like a two hour walk or you're on your feet all day long, what muscles do you feel are exhausted the next day? Mm. Because that's a good indicator of what you might be doing. We use video uh, on site at Skyterra Wellness. So we actually do a mechanics class uh, on Tuesdays every single week. And so this is where we are able to pick up some of these nuances, but just start to think about, man, where are you getting sore when you're starting to do these activities can give you a gauge of, am I pushing? Am I pulling? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then something else is, you know, what you want to make sure too, is that everything below the waist is relaxed. So you never want your knee to be locked out. You never want your feet to be flexed. Almost think of your legs as springs. Yes. Yes. And I also like to tell folks to just pick up your feet. Mm. Just pick up your feet. If you pick up your feet and you start to develop more of a cadence, then what's going to happen is you're going to inadvertently start to pull. It's going to happen. So when we start to cue foot position, that's not always the best. But pick up your feet. That's going to allow your body to start using your hamstrings a little bit more. Yeah. And and just to um, think about something that you said earlier was, you know, what we want to do, some of the words that we don't want to think about, if we're trying to get away from this idea of pushing off the ground, using hip flexors to move your body forward, to move towards pulling, I would almost, I I usually encourage people that I work with to eliminate the word step, eliminate the Mm -hmm. word stride from their thinking about running. And so, you know, I'll say, you know, if you're going to ask me a question and it has the word step in it, or it has the word stride in it, the answer is... I need to pull. I need to pull my feet off the ground. And you say that really nicely to them so they're not offended, right? Yeah. That that's the answer. Always. Yeah, of course. (laughs) 
One other thing with pulling, this is kind of the money maker, is that if you are pushing, then your feet are going to start to land out in front of you. Right. And this is what we don't want with walking or running is we don't want to slow our bodies down. So if you're not pulling, what will happen is the foot starts to hit out in front. and Out in front of your body. Yeah. In most cases, you're going to start heel striking. And that's one of those big no-nos just with our perspective on walking and running. Uh, on running specifically, we can give the delineation with walking. You are going to heel strike when you walk. But when you run and you land out in front, that's going to cause a, uh, another issue that you've maybe heard of uh, shin splints. That's right. That would go into our other big five. So we're at four already. And, you know, just to describe what's happening mechanically when you're heel striking, your knee is locked out, your foot is flexed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's breaking your movement moving forward. But even if, for example your knee is not locked out so your knee is bent but your foot is still flexed Mm -hmm. and you're landing out in front of your body that's still stopping your forward movement so that alignment that that we talked about in the beginning of the episode that also we you know it applies to your ankles so you want to make sure that you're landing either below your hips or you know if you're running a little bit faster behind your hips yep yep i often use the phrase general center of mass GCM. Nice. Yeah. And to add to your point about like the flex foot position and just the inadequacy of this is if your foot is flexed, you lock out your foot and then your knee is locked out. Well, you know where the pain is going to have to go next. Mm. It's going to have to go to your hip and your back. And so this is what's really important to understand is that we get free energy when that foot is landing underneath us and it's not in that flex position. So it's something called muscle elasticity. And that's kind of that bigger term for what we referred to earlier as springs. So we want our body to absorb the shock. What I always tell people is that running is essentially jumping. Would you want to jump up and down on your heels for like two to 3,000 times? No. And I actually do that test sometimes in the class. I'm like, (laughs) okay, everybody, stand up. Let's jump up and down. And so everybody uses their ball of foot. They let the heel kiss. They're like, this is fun, Jeff. Is this part of the class? And then I'm like, okay, now do it on your heels. (laughs) And there's usually one person in class who does want to do it i'm like don't do it don't do it because if you're on like like you could even try this at home on like wood floors like you will very quickly see that there is no give in your heel that's right that's gonna be pretty much all bone and you know that muscle elasticity one other thing we should mention is you have to be moving your feet off the ground fast enough Mm mm-hmm um, and that is, is again, going to give you that free energy that Jeff mentioned, but it's also going to make sure that you're pulling your feet fast enough so that there's no time for your feet to land out in yeah. front of you. And you mentioned that earlier, like hot lava. I don't know if we've used that term yet, but those quick feet are super important so that your body does stay under the hips, as you're saying. Right. And you know, sometimes, you know, when we start to introduce this to people who have been running previously, um, especially when we're talking about running, you know, they'll say, you know, 180 Because most people, if they're running out in front and they're taking steps or strides, they run, you know, usually between 150 and 160 steps per minute. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pulling your feet off the ground 180 times. Mm -hmm. Which can feel fast for a lot of people at first. Uh, We use what's called a cadence monitor to help with this. Or a metronome. Or a metronome. Mm -hmm. Okay. I actually have a free commercial. Uh, I downloaded this one uh, recently, the past month or so. Uh, and it's been working well in classes, I can run my video analysis and have the tempo going to help 
keep people nice. on to just see if it helps them or, or doesn't. Because when we apply drills, that's kind of the main way of, of fixing form and, and uh, eliminating these mistakes. Uh, it's called Run Tempo. I think it was like two bucks, but that is a great monitor nice. that seems to kind of keep the beats up uh, and gets people starting to feel how quick this is and how actually like you can achieve it uh, a little bit easier than you might think. Yeah. And did you also know if you type metronome into Google, one just pops up? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you just one up me? <gasps> no. All you got to do is type it in. <laughs> you don't even have to search for run tempo, everybody. Save your two bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Save your $2. <laughs> There's free ones. Um, you know, I know that you um, have a lot of run drills and walk drills that you work on with people, as do I. Mm-hmm. But the one, just to your point, the one that I prescribe most regularly is just working with a cadence monitor, working with a metronome, because that makes sure that you're pulling fast enough. Um, and there really isn't a lot of room to hide. I mean, if you're pulling at a minimum of 180, again, you're not going to have time to land out in front. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it definitely usually cleans everything up very, very quickly. Uh, and to add to this, if, if folks want to experience like foot speed, just starting to speed up, take your shoes off. And mm. your your feet will start to naturally do this. You'll start to naturally land underneath your hips. And I always think that's like astonishing is we used to do that in seminars. We're like, okay, guys, it's like day, I don't know, it's the start of day two. We're like, take off all your shoes. We're going to videotape you. And then it just starts to kind of happen, Yeah, which is so cool. Yeah. So we talked about our posture. We talked about using the strongest muscles in our body to pull our feet off the ground but we have not moved forward, Jeff. We're kind of... We haven't moved forward. We're just pulling. And we're our posture is awesome. <laughs> and everyone thinks we look cool, but we're not moving forward. Yeah, we have great access to oxygen. You know who has a lot of trouble moving forward? <laughs> our executive Tell producer. Tell me, yes. I've seen him in this situation. He's been like in perfect posture. He's been pulling. And he he does have forward. good posture. He does most of the time. When he does kettlebell swings, <laughs> I could, I could see some better posture, but... That's why we work on these mini workouts That's right. in between podcast episodes. Anyways, we want to get to the, that third key, kind of that thing to think about on yeah. how we can move forward yeah. and yeah. so we don't make this mistake. Yeah. That, that's the big thing here is when folks learn this form, it almost feels like, and I don't know if you've heard this, Rachel, it almost feels like it's like a marching band side of things. Like they'll feel marching bandy and that's oh. because they haven't gotten this third step. The the word that I often hear, I hear the most often is the word prancy. I feel prancy. prancy. Yeah. 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 You'll see folks try to overcompensate and it's tough because there are a lot of nuances to this, but keeping it really simple and then starting to learn to fall is what we want to do to move forward. And there we go. That's number three. Yeah. The fall, which is really just using the strongest force on this planet, which is gravity. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Cool. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm glad to know we have like this strong natural force. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, some days it feels stronger than others. I agree. <laughs> now in using gravity, what do you, what do you suggest? Because I think of the three steps we've laid out today, it's the most difficult to yeah. really rein in as you're learning this. Yeah, yeah. It can be a difficult concept. And you know, what I usually tell people is we're really only talking about somewhere between maybe one degree of fall and four degrees of fall. So it's not actually like you're falling forward at a very high, high degree of fall. It's Super just minimal. Yeah, it's minimal. It's just enough to break your balance so that you start moving forward. Yeah. 
And isn't it like uh, Usain Bolt? Doesn't he lean his body to go as fast as he does? For folks who don't know Usain Bolt, he's one of the fastest humans on the planet. Is he still the fastest? I, I'm not sure. Alan says he's so. the fastest. Alan, Alan is the fastest. Oh, Alan says he's the fastest. He yeah. wishes he had a mic right now <laughs> so he could prove prove to us his speed. It, 18 and a half degrees. Yeah. Like, that is wild when you think about that. Your body just going in 18 and a half. And we're just asking for you to start to get your body into one to two. Yeah. And I know that like a mile, a really fast mile, like almost a sub six mile, you only have to le- lean your body, like get into this fall of about five degrees. Yeah. And I yeah. know that because I can run a sub six mile still, even though I'm a dad. So impressive, Jeff. I know. I like to confirmation bias myself <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> Um, so yeah, back to the fall. How do, how do folks develop this? What would maybe be a a drill or something you'd, you'd ask them to kind of think about so that they can know whether they're falling or not, or they're starting to get into that fall? Yeah, I actually have, um, one that I, I like to use with people right away. And then I have one that kind of brings everything together that I like to subscribe to prescribe for people. Um, in terms of figuring out, you know, how you can use gravity, what I usually have people do is just to get in that good run posture, picture that there's finish line tape right at their hips, push their hips into that finish line tape and almost roll up onto their toes and you will feel hmm. gravity trying to pull you forward. Rolling up onto your toes and rolling back, that's about a one degree of fall. That's, you know, something that you, maybe you're running a warm up pace or, um, you know, a a marathon pace, something you can sustain over distance. If you get back in that same run posture, same thing, picture the finish line tape at your hips, press your hips into that finish line tape and roll up onto your toes, but a little bit further where you have to put a foot out in front. That's your, that's your four to five degrees of fall. Wow. That's your faster pace. And that's all, that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to make the distinction that in walking, you're not really going to be using gravity as much Mm. as you might be when you're running. And so that's where like the first posture and pulling are the two really big keys to focus on with walking. Walking's different than running because you're not, you don't always have two feet off the ground. So every, every kind of uh, movement you're making with running, you're, you do have both feet elevated and that's why it is pretty impactful. So Mm -hmm. figuring out this fall uh, with running is especially important. Uh, so that you're servicing your body weight. Yeah. And, um, you know, something else that I'll, I'll have a lot of people ask me, you know, I, I run on a treadmill. How can I apply this to the treadmill? Well, you certainly can't use gravity on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. And it can almost be difficult to feel the pull, especially if you're on a motorized treadmill. So I usually tell people, you know, definitely try the pull, but most importantly, focus on your posture. Did you know at Skyterra? We have a treadmill that helps folks with this. It's amazing. It's an automatic woodway treadmill. Ooh, free commercial. Yeah, it's called the Curve. And so it is a nice way where if I do have folks who are trying to learn to use their hamstrings, Mm. you put them on there. And even with walking, you can, it it takes a little bit of time to get used to it, but it's kind of a cool, quick mechanism and and tool we have uh, that allows people to kind of feel what that hamstring should, should be like. Mm. Yeah. And then... I had mentioned that I have a, another drill to kind of put this all together. So I'll usually have folks take like a, a band or something that is um, cl- a closed loop mm-hmm. that they can loop around, you know, some kind of vertical stable post, um, you know, step, get that loop secure around the, the post, step into it, press your hips into it. 
Get your body into a good position. So there's the first step. There's positioning, posture. As you press your hips into it, there's using gravity. So you're, the, the band is going to hold you up, but you're able to feel that fall a little bit. And then the only thing left to do from that position is pull your feet off the ground. And that's where you can even add in your, your metronome, your cadence monitor. Um, and then you'll be in good position and step out of the band. Try it without. Try to replicate what you felt in the band. I like the band drill. That's yeah. what, the uh, banded fall drill. Is that what we call that one? Do you have a specific name for it? Um, yeah. Something like that? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great description because it does apply all of those steps, posture. You get to experience the fall and then you just add that pull. That's right. Into it. Anything else you want to add, Jeff? I mean, we could talk about walking and running for days. We could. You could even walk or run for days if you really wanted to. You could. You could. Did Have you... After you figured out this technique, have you had any running injuries, knock on wood? I cannot knock on wood right now because we're recording. <laughs> However, uh, what's what's interesting about this is I really have not, once I really gave this technique the respect it deserves, I have not experienced the, the pain that I once had. Mm. Because I would come down with a lot of these big five injuries that I've been describing throughout the podcast. And the last one that actually hit me really hard, uh, going back to my stories, I remember having to stop runs because of this. Uh, and I think a lot of people suffer from this one. It's called Iltilio band syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's like that dull ache that goes down your leg. And so that was kind of bringing full circle the five big injuries that usually are a result of not... Uh, cleaning up these mistakes that we've discussed today. Uh, that was something I'd experience a lot. And now today, like I do a lot of strength training, which is important since mm -hmm. running is jumping. You've got to strength train to kind of keep that body robust. Uh, but yeah, not since I've really treated it with the respect. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. And I, I've seen this with guests too, in that almost instantly they start to feel like a lot of guests will be like, I want to come to this class because I've been having a lot of lower back pain specifically when like I'm walking or when I'm running. Mm. And I see it all the time where folks do clean this up and they almost feel, they describe it, and I describe it like this as well, almost a little bit lighter and like this is fun again. Yeah. That's the thing with like walking and running is like it, it should be something that we, we want to do. And if our form isn't amazing, that can buy, sometimes be the detractor that, that stops us from participating in, in those types of activities that, that most of us are, are able to do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's most people who, who get into walking, most people who get into running um, as a form of exercise, it's, like you said, something that they enjoy. And you want to make it sustainable. You want to keep your body healthy. You don't want to be the person who, you know, just runs one race, gets uh -huh. injured, and then that's it. Because because it can be very enjoyable. It's a very portable exercise. It's easy. You can open the door of your house and go out and do it. Yeah, it's not fun to be in pain. No, it's not. No. I think before we hit the summary, let's go back and forth on the simple things. So one tip for me on the posture, pull, and the fall. Mm -hmm. Posture, all I want folks to focus on is keep the hips forward. Mm. Make sure to keep the hips forward. So that would be my one for posture. What would you say with posture? For posture, I think for me, um, it would be the position of your shoulders, just because there's a lot of change you can make there. So keeping those shoulder blades down and back, it's going to make you feel less winded. It's going to keep you in alignment. Now with pull, I said it earlier, just pick up your feet. 
when you're walking actively pull still that will be applicable so pick up the feet i like that for pull what i'll also say for pull is if you feel like jeff said like you're in a marching band if you feel Mm -hmm. prancy you're pulling too high so pull a little bit lower maybe only maybe you only need to pull ankle height that's fine you just need to move your feet off the ground and you need to move your feet off the ground fast Excellent. Yeah, we didn't cover that. And that's really important in that in that the speed that you're going at is going to be the height of the pole. Mm, Yes. And and the last point I would make just to keep it really simple with these three mistakes that we see all the time with the fall is to actually have trust that Mm. you're not going to fall over. So my thing to think about would be don't be make sure you're not leaning back. Make sure you have trust that if you slightly lean forward the way we're going to uh, the way we've been discussing, your body will start to get really efficient and you probably will go faster. I like that. Yeah. My tip for fall would be make sure that you're falling forward from your hips, mm-hmm. not from your shoulders, because that's something that I see a lot is people will say, I'm, I'm trying to fall. They'll, they'll be pointing their movement forward from their shoulders. That takes you out of alignment. So make sure you're thinking about that finish line tape at your hips. First place, you won the race, fall from your hips. That was a nice pun. Was that a pun? What? Winning the race? First place, you won the race. It was a poem. Oh, that's and great. And I didn't know it. Yeah, you didn't even know it. I was like, <laughs> did you just hear yourself? <laughs> that was excellent. All right. So anything else you want to add, Jeff? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. So really quickly to summarize, three the three big three big things for us are the importance of posture, keeping your body aligned, keeping your body in position. Number two, the pull using the strongest muscles in your body, glutes and hamstrings. And number three, having trust in gravity to move you forward. This has been so fun. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. You know I love this topic. Yeah, this was definitely one that is rooted in us. That's in right. Ways than that. Yeah. All right, Inspired Intentions listeners, this has been our number one favorite pick from our Inspired Intentions podcast, episode number 19, which of these three mistakes do you make when you walk or run? This is a really awesome class that we get to teach here on campus, and I absolutely love getting to recap and take a look back at this particular episode. Stay tuned next week when we have some fresh new content coming at you. And Rachel, why don't you send us off? The Inspired Intentions podcast is a production of Skyterra Wellness Retreat. Special thanks to our executive producer, Alan Broyhill. Send us your questions and comments to inspiredintentions at skyterrawellness.com. Subscribe on iTunes and everywhere podcasts can be found. If someone you know might benefit from this podcast, share Inspired Intentions with them and give us a five-star rating. Join us next week as we cut through the unrealistic noise on diets and fitness and show you how healthy living fits seamlessly into your already busy life. Thanks for listening.